Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Christy and Steve from the DCL Podcast join us to talk about Disney Cruise Line 101, what you need to know about Disney Cruise Line, and why you might want to consider booking a cruise for your next Disney vacation. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where we receive bonus content, including live trip reports, or you can also support the podcast by booking your next Disney trip with me. Let me do all the hard work at no cost to you and get started by emailing Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies, and Leslie is not with me today because she is off gallivanting in Europe as you're listening to this, but I have two great guests who we've had on separately but never on together Steve and Christy from the DCL podcast which they record with Chris as well Steve and Christy welcome back to the podcast thank you so much for being here today thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us Jay we're excited to be back again so we are recording this Disney Cruise Line 101 episode we did one of these maybe four years ago but uh, quite a bit has happened in the last four years uh, we might say and we thought that you would be the perfect guest to talk about this because you you all have your own podcast, the DCL Podcast. Let's start with the uh, plugs up front. Tell us a little bit about the DCL Podcast. Yeah, the DCL Podcast, we started, we've been going for five years now, which is crazy. I can't believe that coming up on six. But basically, we focus on just trying to make cruising a little bit easier for all of us, just learning through others' experiences and then just passing on information as we sail as well. So Christy and I have been doing it for, I think, all the five years together. And we've added Chris. She came on a couple of years ago and just adds a lot of color to the podcast as well. So if you want to hear about others' experiences sailing with Disney Cruise Line, keep up with what's going on with the cruise line. Come on over, check out our podcast wherever you can get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. And we'd love to have you come take a listen. We usually we usually release one to two episodes a week as well. Yeah, you all go with the non-regular release schedule, which I really, I, re- I respect it. We get more content than expected. And I just never know when there's going to be a new DCL podcast <laughs> in my feed. You like to keep it interesting. So I respect that. Steve does the back end work to make the podcast go live. And Steve is a pilot. So we work with his schedule. And we're just so appreciative not to do it that we take what we can get. Yeah, I keep going back. I was going Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday. I don't know. It's kind of, it depends upon the schedule of the week, depending upon when I'm flying and everything like that, when I can get it out. So, But usually about two episodes a week is what we try to shoot for these days. Yes. And also, I should say that they have a Patreon as well that you can check out on patreon.com slash DCL podcast. A lot of great extra bonus content there. Love the DCL podcast. Thank you so much for being on here. And so what we're aiming to answer today is why might you and your family want to consider trying out Disney Cruise Line. Maybe you're a fan of the Disney parks. You've done that a bunch of times, or maybe you've only been to Disney parks once or twice. But why is the Disney Cruise Line vacation possibly what is going to be great for you and your family? And that's why you two are here today, Steve and Christy. So let's start with the basics. If I ask you, what is Disney Cruise Line? And really, what is the cruise experience for people who don't know anything about cruises? What would you all say? Well, Disney Cruise Line started in 1998. They consist of five ships now. They just added the Disney Wish, which we can talk about here in just a little bit. But it was kind of an extension to the parks. The Disney company saw people coming down and spending time in the parks. And then from there, people go and take a three or four day cruise. 
And they saw it as a way to kind of extend people's vacations. And let's be honest, a way to continue to get money from people as they came down to Florida. And it's just been a great extension of the Disney company. What you find in the parks, you're going to find a lot of that on the cruise line as well. That Disney magic, the characters, and kind of that that exclusive service that you expect from uh, the Disney company. I kind of look at it as the Disney Cruise Line sailings experience can be whatever you want it to be. It can be as busy as a park day, or it can be as relaxing as a pool day. And we're kind of talking about this, and this is just, I'm going to throw this out as my opinion. Overall, kind of, if you want to compare it to spending time at Walt Disney World, I feel like a Disney Cruise Line is a premium experience overall with the service, food, furnishings, and entertainment on par with the deluxe resorts at Walt Disney World. So that's kind of my thoughts at Disney Cruise Line. How about you, Christy? Yeah, I agree. So Christy, I forgot to write this in the notes, but we should definitely cover this. You know, when you're paying for a Disney Cruise Line, and Steve, I agree with you, by the way, that I would consider it on par with what you're getting at the deluxe resorts. But what you're not getting at the deluxe resorts included are things like food and other things. So when you're paying for a Disney Cruise Line experience, what is that covering, Christy? It covers your food, as you said, most of your food. The only food really not covered is an adult-only dining and then there's a couple of like add-on items that you can get at the pub in the evening but so for the most smoothies part smoothies too right smoothies yeah. you gotta pay well, for the smoothies and the candy beverages have an additional charge that are not found on the pool deck so if you want a soda in the dining room or which is a difference of basically every other cruise line if you want a soda in the dining room or on the pool deck that is included if you get it out of the machines If you go up to a bar, though, and order that beverage, you are going to pay for it. Alcoholic beverages are not included, but your three meals a day in the included restaurants, deck food, room service, which you're not going to find at a Walt Disney World Resort included, you can have them deliver food to your room seven times a day if you want, and you're just asked to, or it's recommended that you tip the delivery person that delivers your food, but that's a reasonable amount. You're not tipping, you know, a $20 service fee. So that's all included. Onboard activities are included. Shore excursions would be extra. So things that you would do outside that you would book in addition. If your cruise is stopping at their private island, you get your towels, your, again, soda and lunch on the private island, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and the beach chairs and umbrellas, all of that's included. So you could, if you prepay your gratuities, you could get on a Disney ship and not spend any additional money for the week. Yeah, I mean, I've been on two separate Disney cruises, and I do not think I've walked off with a bill more than like $200. We did Bahamas cruises, which went to Disney's private island, Castaway Key. So we did not do a lot of shore excursions, We had like two smoothies and maybe like an ice cream or something like that. So, you know, we didn't spend a lot of money. So, yeah, you can definitely just prepay for everything and not worry about it. Of course, if you're tempted by the alcohol or the smoothies. I don't know why I keep talking about smoothies. I don't know that smoothies has ever been discussed so much in a Disney podcast. In fact, I have never myself purchased one on a Disney cruise. Look, it's it's 100 (laughs) degrees in this room that I'm recording in. And as listeners of Disney Decipher know, I'm very heat sensitive. So I'm just thinking about the smoothies. All right, well, move on. (laughs) We'll move on from the smoothies. Now, another thing that's included in Disney Cruise Line and all cruise lines really is the entertainment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Disney Cruise Line entertainment is a little bit, well, you know, you all have been on more cruise lines than I have. You know, how would you compare Disney Cruise Line entertainment to the rest? Well, it's really great, and it's more family-focused, which for somebody with young kids is important. Obviously, if your kids, if you're not cruising with kids, maybe you don't care about that as much. But if you are a fan of Disney productions on Broadway, for example, you're going to get a show or two during your cruise that are of that Broadway-ish 
level quality. And all of that's included. And you know, the other thing that's included that we didn't talk about are the kids clubs. Your children can have access to the kids clubs starting at age three for no additional charge. And that goes, there's activities all the way through age 18. So your younger ones though, that would typically need a babysitter, they can be in the kids club all day long and there's no additional charge for that. Yeah, they've run to like 11 p.m. too. Yeah, much later than when my kid's typically awake. Definitely. So yeah, there's a lot included on the cruise. We probably didn't even cover it all, but we should move on. Now, as of recording, there are now five ships. As Steve said, we should talk a little bit about the different ships that Disney Cruise Line has. Give us the executive notes version of you know what we need to know about the different Disney Cruise Line ships. Okay, so as you said, Joe, there's five ships, three different classes right now. Uh, we break them down into the classic ships, which are the original ships, the Disney Magic and Wonder. They carry roughly about 2,500 passengers or so. They are a little bit older, but I will definitely say that we've sailed on the Magic and Wonder recently, and Disney does an amazing job keeping those ships up. You cannot really tell the public areas. They do not show their age like some of the other cruise lines do when you get to as old as they are. Uh, the good thing about them is they've actually been through dry dock more recently than the Dream Class ships, which is the next size up. And so their rooms have been updated. So those USB ports, although now we're into USB-C, which <laughs> is causing hotels and everything problems, but they do have USB ports. Uh, they have more uh, electrical outlets and the rooms are actually the biggest in the fleet. Next up is the Dream Class ships, which is the Fantasy and the Dream. They cover roughly about 4,000 people. They have an extra adult Dining uh, restaurant Remy, which is people say it's on par with Victorian Alberts, kind of in that that genre. Uh, so they've added that onto it. All of these ships have three main restaurants that you're going to be able to eat at, which we'll talk about, and just some bigger spaces, I guess. But kind of kind of similar amenities between those classes. And then finally, the the newest ship, the Disney Wish, just came online. She's on her second sailing right now, and they're known as the Triton class. It's about the same size as the Fantasy and Dream, carrying about four thousand people. And uh, still just a lot to be coming out on the Disney Wish as far as what to experience. But I will, but I will say this, just because she's the newest ship, do not, not think about sailing on the other ships because the other ships are amazing. And cheaper, it would seem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which is a typical in any new, right, with a new item. Yeah. So you all have been, or as of right now... Chrissy has been on all three different classes of ships. And Steve, by the time this comes out, hopefully you've been on all three as well. We'll get to later what we recommend you trying out first. But I would say that unlike other cruise lines, because there are so few ships right now, it's like all these ships are worth sailing right now. None of them are going to feel dated or like they're you're missing out on anything, right? Exactly. Yeah, the Magic is 20 years old, and yet she still looks shiny and new. All right, so let's get to the next thing you need to know when you're talking about cruise lines. You know, a lot of people, when they're booking their cruises, it's not necessarily about what ship you're going on, but where you're going. Oh, I forgot to mention that we're recording this when I'm supposed to be in Alaska. And, you know, sometimes you just want to go, like, I may have wanted to choose a different Disney Cruise Line ship, but it's only the Disney Wonder that sails to Alaska. Now, outside of Alaska, can you guys run us through some of the destinations that Disney Cruise Line hits typically? You know, I know sometimes they'll throw in like a Hawaii here and there, but, you know, in general, if you're looking to sail Disney Cruise Line, where are you going? I think the most typical and maybe the itinerary that the most people go on is to the Bahamas on one of the three or four night cruises. Then there are week-long cruises to the Caribbean. You can actually do Mexican Riviera cruises as well, Alaska, as you previously mentioned, and Europe. Basically, anywhere but Asia, Africa, Australia, as of right now, are places you can cruise to on a Disney cruise. And let's talk about, there are some 
special cruises that happen every year, the repositioning cruises, which I know, Christy, you've been on before. I'm not sure if, Steve, I'm guessing your flight schedule has never allowed you to do that. But, you know, what are the special repositioning cruises that people like to get on on Disney Cruise Line? There's the transatlantic to go to and from Europe. So when the ship has to leave the United States to get over there, they'll actually take guests with them. So that's a longer cruise where you have usually about six sea days in a row, which is pretty exciting. And then you're actually making the time change as well via ship. The Panama Canal cruise is pretty amazing. That one will be interesting to see what happens in the future as the wonder potentially stays more on the on either the West Coast and or goes to other continents. So it'll be interesting to see if a Panama Canal cruise continues going forward, but that one's always a fan favorite. And then there are occasional, like you said, one-off cruises where the ship might be in New York and then repositions to San Juan, for example, or goes to Galveston or something else. So sometimes New Orleans, sometimes the ships are moving around and then there'll be a random one-off cruise where it's going from one port to another. All right. So then as you mentioned, a general beginner cruise or starting cruise for Disney Cruise Line is to the Bahamas. And in the Bahamas, Disney has its private island, Castaway Key. What can you all tell us about that? And I know other cruise lines have private islands as well, so I'm not sure if you know how they compare. I like to refer to Castaway Key as the happiest island on earth. I mean, it really is just a lovely little island. It's an older island, so it's not going to have the newest and the greatest that maybe Royal Caribbean's Perfect Day Coco Cay has. But it has everything your family would need to have fun. There's a water attraction where you can do a water slide in. There's actually like a little ropes course that you can do a ropes course, and those are included. There's add-on activities, including like stingrays, bicycle riding, snorkeling, you could bring your own snorkel equipment or you can rent it from Disney Cruise Line. It has a barbecue on the beach. There's actually a 5K that is run on the island and there is no additional charge for that. So you can participate in a 5K and get the cutest little medal. They have an adults only beach. So if you are without your kids or if you've taken your kids to the kids club, which there is one on the island, that you can actually go and have adult only time as well. There are three barbecue locations. They basically have the same food. The adults beach has a little bit different options, but it really is a very well thought out, lovely little time. I'm going to go out on a limb too and say that sometimes, you know, just because you pay for exciting new things like these big, huge water slides and everything like that, we've really enjoyed spending time at Castaway Key because how often as a family are you just busy at home? And then when do you actually get to spend time together? And uh, one of the days there's a kind of little private area where you can shoot hoops and they've got they've got ping pong tables and foosball and everything like that. And the three, me or my son and I and my younger son, we spent probably about two hours just shooting hoops and, and playing together. And sometimes, you know, those pay for events, you know, they, they go by quick and they're thrilling and exciting and everything like that. But how often do you actually just get to spend time together as a family? And I feel like Castaway Key offers a lot of things like that on it where you can just really relax and enjoy time together. And with younger kids, it's great because it's a protected cove, basically. So they have it worked out where you're not going to have a big wave crashing through. So your your little swimmers are or waddlers are going to have a fun and safe time there. And Disney has extended the availability of life jackets on the island as well. They really just have thought about everything. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Disney stuff, they're always thinking about, you know, how to take care of families, especially families with the young kids. Yeah, also on Castaway Key, I remember like we rented bikes once and that was relaxing. There's just there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, I've seen people say that they were kind of disappointed by Castaway Key and I always think maybe that's a matter of expectations. Mm-hmm. Because 
it is included in your cruise already and you kind of have to bear that in mind you know you're not paying extra unless you want to and even there's not a lot of add-on paid excursions except for things like glass bottom boats which i think are a little bit overrated and water sports activities and stuff like that so i really like the way you framed it steve where castaway key you just kind of think of it as an island you know you're in the bahamas you're on an island you know go on island time and just chill and the other nice thing is you can always go back to the ship whenever you need to it's a tram right away is that it's technically a yeah you can walk or take a tram parking lot tram yeah (laughs) so it's like a parking lot tram they never canceled the parking lot trams on castaway key so (laughs) no one had to riot about that uh so speaking of families i think it's always concerning to people about how small cruise cabins are so what has disney done in their disney cruise line cabins although i was listening to your disney wish not review but overview Christy, and maybe they haven't done as good of a job on the wish, but what does Disney do to make things easier for families when you're in your cabin? Well, Disney has some of the biggest cabins in the cruising industry, and those are, especially on the older ships, they are quite a bit bigger than the Fantasy, the Dream, and and now the Wish. Uh, one of the things that they also add is they have a split bathroom. So one of the bathrooms has the toilet in it and a sink, and the other one has the shower and a sink. And that really adds to helping families get ready when You've got busy times coming up like dinners or in the morning when you're you're rushing to get out and maybe do a port adventure that like if you're over in Europe, that kind of adds to helping people kind of get ready in the morning and stuff like that. There's bathtubs also in all of the cabins. Nearly every cabin category on all Disney ships has a bathtub, which is, this is not something that typically exists in the industry. It's not a norm. And so the fact that you can have your kids take a bath on a cruise without being in a suite is huge. It is different. So the Wish has a little bit smaller cabins. The Wish also has a beverage cooler as opposed to a refrigerator, which makes things a little bit um, different for families. But I think they were... I don't know, saving energy and or whatever it is their excuse was for that. And so I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) Yes. If you listen to Christy about the wish, she's very mad that she can't keep her milk cold, which I understand. It's a choice. I will say that. The other thing I want to add about Disney Cruise Line cabins is as I've booked more cruises for people, I've noticed that, you know, for families of four, there's just like a lot more available cabins for four on Disney Cruise Line. And five, yes. And like if you're looking at Royal or something like that, you can't have a family of five on most of the ships in a stateroom without getting either two staterooms or getting a suite. But on Disney, these rooms exist, which, you know, don't exist on most of the cruise lines. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And like just to put it into perspective, with the size of the ship, I know Christy went on a Royal and the, the pull down bed that Blake, her son, slept on came down over over above their bed. Whereas on the Disney ships, that's actually kind of a separate area of the room with uh, curtains that you can close off. So it's almost like two separate rooms when when you do that, rather than having your kid in a bed right on top of you. Yeah, and that curtain that Disney has across their rooms is, is really strong. It actually keeps a lot of the light out. So you can be in your bed reading while your child or children are going to sleep on the other side of the curtain. So moving on from the cabins, Disney, by now it's pretty well known that they were the first in the industry to do rotational dining, which means that your wait staff goes with you into the different dining rooms. But aside from that kind of practicality, which is very important because they get to know you very well, what do families need to know about the food and the dining options on board Disney Cruise Line ships? To me, the best thing is there's so many varieties. Like Steve loves escargot and on the four original ships, he can get escargot 
for dinner during his cruise and it's something that he can get and it's also something I never have to eat. So there are beautiful options like that available for people depending on your preference and what your eating style is. If your kids only eat mac and cheese or only eat pizza, they can have mac and cheese and pizza for however many nights their cruises. If your kids want to eat salmon and or venture out and eat steak and want to eat off the adult menu. Their price of their cruise fare doesn't change. They can eat off the adult menu. And you can be adventurous or you can be as simple, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So there is something for everybody in terms of what your palate includes. And on the Wish, they've, they're getting a little bit unique. I'll be curious to see actually how long that exists and how long that stays for. But they're trying to branch out their menus. So those could be more opportunities to try new items. Is it like blue shrimp like at Galactic Star Cruiser or? No. <laughs> But there was some very Spoiler interesting... Spoiler alert for Galactic Star yeah. Cruiser shrimp. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty much out there now on that <laughs> on the Star Cruiser. So no, not blue shrimp, but just different different items. And I, I would say for the adult restaurants too, for somebody who wants a little bit more upscale experience, this is not included, so you're going to have to pay for it. But I think it's very well reasonably charged compared to what you get, with whether you're going to spend time in Palo or over to the French restaurant, which is known as Remy on the on the Fantasy and the Dream, or now Enchante on the Wish. Just amazing dining experiences that are on par, if not better than uh, most of the places that we've gone to, you know, living here in Seattle and in the Portland area up here in the Northwest and, and reasonably priced for some really good quality food and service. I agree. Yeah. Can we take a second to talk about the adult dining options for people who aren't used to cruising? We should say that for most cruise lines, you probably only have like one or two restaurants normally included and like everything else you have to pay up for. But on Disney, you know, there's only one to two restaurants where you have to pay extra for. So can you tell us a little bit about Paolo Remy and what's the name of the new one on the Wish? Enchante. Enchanted in French? Yes. (laughs) Nice. The included restaurants are... I would say very akin to your other cruise lines where you go to a dining room. But as we discussed on Disney, you would rotate between three different dining rooms. But it's similar cruise fare, right? But the specialty restaurants will be like your fancy restaurants in your town. So your fancy steakhouse that you have located wherever you live, that's what the Palo or Palo Steakhouse, depending on the ship, is going to be similar to. And then Remy or Enchante is your really high-end upscale French restaurant that has a couple of different menu options, but these are going to be the really gourmet food options where it's like tiny little portions, but you still leave full because they've given you 10 courses of what is apparently supposed to be amazing melt-in-your-mouth type food. And so it's, I guess, like a tastings menu, right? Where you have this really high quality bites of food and then they just move it all the way through. There is a dress code for both of those restaurants, which is one thing with Disney. They do not enforce any other dress code in any other area, except like you can't wear a swimsuit into the dining room. But besides that, People will dress in all different ranges on a Disney cruise, but at Palo and or the Enchante slash Remy, there is a strict dress code where you're not wearing flip-flops and you're supposed to dress a little bit, you know, the phrase smart casual, something along those lines. In the French restaurants, though, you are, men are required to wear a sport coat and it's more of like what you would wear to a wedding, like a nicer dress. You're not going to just wear your basic skirt and blouse. It's a fine dining experience. And they request that the dress code be that way. They actually even have suit coats to loan out to men if 
you find yourself without one. And I was one time overhearing somebody like didn't have a belt. And so one of the concierge hosts for that particular cruise was like off to find this gentleman a belt so that he could wear a belt to his Remy dining experience during his cruise. So just little stuff like that. It's it's the nicer dining experience. Yeah. And currently Apollo is $45 extra per person and Remy is a hundred. Is that correct? Mm, I think Remy's more than that, but I'm not entirely sure. I never remember. But Paolo is 45 for the prefix menu and or brunch. And you can actually order a la carte or prefix now. That's a change that has occurred since the restart. So it's just, it does depend. You could easily spend $100 per person at Paolo, but you can definitely get by with $45 per person as well. And then obviously, if you were going to drink wine or a cocktail, that's an additional charge. All right, so let's move to what makes a Disney cruise when you're on board the cruise? What makes it a Disney cruise in italics? So what about Disney Cruise Line differentiates the experience from other cruise lines or for the Disney fan, what is going to make them feel at home on Disney Cruise Line? I think it's having the characters on board. That's a huge part of a Disney cruise, being able to spend time and with the meet and greets. And I think that's like one of the things that like I hear in Walt Disney World, you know, you've got to stand in line a lot of times to to meet Mickey Mouse. But you, uh, there's times on the on one of these ships where you'll be walking down the hallway and Mickey's coming the other way and and you can sit there and, and kind of interact with them and have a good time. I, there's a great video I saw that somebody, one of our listeners just had an interaction with Peter Pan and their, their son just sat and played with Peter Pan in the, the atrium of the, the ship itself for probably about five or 10 minutes. And that is definitely a huge touch that sets Disney Cruise Line apart. And also, I think the service does as well. It's kind of a cliche where you talk about, you know, this Disney service and the way it used to be in the parks. I think that that's still found on Disney Cruise Line. Um, the service and, and the way the, the crew members and the staff members go beyond their way to make your vacation special is just amazing. You know, the little things like when you leave your cabin, there's Disney music playing all around the ship, so in the overhead speakers. And so you just open up your door and you are reminded instantly that you are on a Disney ship. And that is, I think that's one of the things I had a client that was talking about going another cruise line. And she's just like, I don't know if I want to go on another line. I really like it when I walk out and I have the Disney music. And it really makes such a difference over your cruise to just hear that and you're humming it and singing it throughout the hall. It really does add something to the cruise. And do they still have the entire Disney catalog or most of it on the TVs in your stateroom? So you don't even need to leave your stateroom to keep getting that Disney fix? They do. That's very nice. Um, So before we get to how much things cost, I would love to know from each of you, if someone was a Disney fan and they were like, oh, I don't know if I should try Disney Cruise Line or not, you know, what would you tell them about why you think they should try Disney Cruise Line at least once? It's easier than going to Walt Disney World. And especially if you look at what Walt Disney World is like right now with all of the planning that has to go into it and trying to get on the rides and all of this, it's just easy is the best way I can describe it. It You can go and plan almost nothing. You can plan stuff, but you can plan almost nothing before you get on that cruise. And or you can you could plan more because, you know, we're planners. People listening to your podcast are definitely planners, but you can do so much less. It's and, and you get that Disney high that you would get going to the parks, but you get a more relaxing and maybe enjoyable vacation out of it. An actual vacation versus, you know, a trip to the theme park, which sometimes it's not very rejuvenating. 
Hey, Chrissy, Disney World being complicated is putting Leslie and my kids through college. So careful what you say that. No, I'm just kidding. Steve, what do you think? No, I, th- I think Christy hit on it. You know, I, I've got a story from a long time ago. I think it was a second sailing and we were at the sail away party, which happens as the ship sails away that first day. And this guy comes up behind me and he goes, he goes, you know, I just spent a week in the parks and now I'm finally on vacation. And mm-hmm. um, you can just see kind of like that relief off his shoulders as we were sailing away. He had a beverage in his hand and he was ready to just kind of have a good time and relax, you know, whatever that that meant as, as far as that goes. But I think one of the other things that we really enjoy about it is that Disney Cruise Line can take you to see the world. I mean, you can go to Europe, you can go to the, to Alaska, you can go to Hawaii, you can go to Mexico, and you can do that in kind of that Disney bubble. So you and your family can, can have that service and that Disney experience that we all love and, and actually go out and see the world as well. And I think that that's something that is one of the the best reasons why we first cruised with Disney and continue to cruise again. So, I mean, if if you love the parks, if you love Disney, I think you're really going to love Disney Cruise Line, but it's just, it's so much more than that. There's so many other things that you can do with it. Yeah. So let's get to the cost, which I think is my reason for maybe trying a Disney Cruise Line cruise these days. Now, we were talking beforehand, and if we had recorded this podcast together five years ago, it would have been a slam dunk that Disney Cruise Line is always more expensive than a Disney World vacation. But before this podcast, I looked up a couple numbers um, just for a four-night cruise in November and a four-night cruise over President's Week. If you get bored by numbers, fast forward 30 seconds. But for a four-night cruise in November, uh, you can get for a family of four, a veranda cabin, balcony cabin on the Dream, a guaranteed cabin with restrictions for $2,600. Christy, fellow travel agent, you want to explain really quickly what a guaranteed cabin with restrictions means? So it means you're going on that cruise <laughs> because you cannot, most Disney cruise fares are refundable. You can pay a deposit and get your money back. But a cruise with restrictions means that Disney is picking your cabin and that you may not make any changes. You cannot change the sale date. You cannot change the people cruising with you. You are telling Disney you are absolutely going on that cruise. In that case, we, Joe and I would probably recommend that you get travel insurance. But restrictions means you're saving, though, a couple grand, at least typically, and you're going on the cruise. Right. It's kind of the only way to save because Disney Cruise Line, the way it works is in general, the prices just go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also get a guaranteed room without restrictions and you'll save a little bit. But the guaranteed room with restrictions, that's where you're saving. In this case, $1,200, because if you're choosing your own balcony room, it's $3,870 on the Dream. So 2600 for guaranteed restrictions, about 3900 for choosing your own stateroom. Those same dates, if you had a three-day ticket and went to Old Key West Resort, at Disney World, uh, that's $4,100. So that's more expensive than the Dream. In fact, for those dates, Old Key West was the only resort available, but I kind of ballparked that a moderate like Caribbean Beach might be $300 less per night. So that's still about $3,000 for a three-day ticket. And your food's not included. And your food's not included. So for November, uh, and I searched specifically for November, November 3rd to November 7th, it's gonna end up most likely being cheaper for you to go on the Disney cruise, or at the very least, it's going to be break even. Now, here's the thing, though, that we need to point out to your listeners is that cruise cabins with restrictions are not typically offered this far in the future, like ever. This is a we're still in pandemic world type situation where they are working to fill those ships a little bit more and didn't otherwise have them filled on their own. But typically, you wouldn't be able to book a a cruise cabin with restrictions until four weeks out, much closer in. Yeah, that's true. 
But that's where I go back to what Steve said, that Disney Cruise Line is like a deluxe Disney Parks experience. Mm -hmm. And that's where you take Old Key West, which is a deluxe resort, at about $4,000 and compare it to choosing your own balcony room on the Dream, which is about $4,000. And if you are in the deluxe budget for Disney World, you're about paying the same. Now, going to President's Week, a four-night on the Disney Wish, leaving on President's Day is 6000 for a balcony. If you go to the All-Stars and have a three-day ticket... The same thing. <laughs> They're not the same thing, but I'm just for sake of comparison. That's twenty seven hundred dollars. Caribbean Beach is thirty two hundred dollars. Animal Kingdom Lodge is forty three hundred dollars. So we're getting close to the Disney Wish. And then Yacht Club, which is a deluxe resort that if you want to stay at a deluxe, is probably the one you want to stay at, is six thousand. So again, it costs the same as the Disney Wish. If we were again talking five years ago, All Stars would have been fifteen hundred. Caribbean Beach would have been two thousand. Yacht probably would have been like four thousand or something like that. So. The prices have gotten so close. I think if you've been to Disney World a lot and if you sometimes splurge to stay deluxe, that's a time to consider splurging for Disney Cruise Line. There are a couple other options, too, for people out there. Uh, these are kind of limited, too, as well. But you can get military rates for somebody who's been in the military. There's also Florida residency rates. So if you, you can be like Christy and just move to Florida so you can cruise cheaper. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christy. And then there's the uh, onboard booking credit. So if you have a good time while you're on board, and we, I can't tell you how many people that we've had on our show that's like, so did you guys do the onboard booking credit, which is $250, you pay that down, and then you can book within the next two years and save 10% on a future cruise. Uh, so many people go, I wish I would have done that. So if you're enjoying that cruise and you think it's something that you're going to do, again, kind of highly recommended that as a way to save money as well. You can at least get 10% off the full fare price. And it's totally refundable. So let's say you book it and then decide, well, I don't know if I'm going to go on a cruise in the next two years, or we decided to go over a holiday, which is excluded under that 10% discount. You can get your 10% back or your $250 back. So you're not losing that money forever. And if you've booked with Joe who booked your cruise in the first place, it will be assigned to Joe when you rebook that onboard offer. You have to click a checkbox, but not, yes. Uh, it's like... I, I've. I've had clients who I've had to tra- whatever. This is shop talk. There have been some problems since the restart of all having it all work out, even for our, my own bookings. But for the most part, it works seamlessly. Like all Disney stuff, for the yeah. most part, <laughs> it works seamlessly. All right. So if we've convinced you to check out Disney Cruise Line, I'm really curious your both of your opinions. You know, for first time cruisers, let's say that they're Disney fans. What would you recommend for their first cruise? Like, would you go by location, type of ship, length? You know, for the average Disney fan, what are you recommending? Yeah, it really depends on what they are looking for. Steve and I talked briefly before the show today, and both of us agreed that the sweet spot for a cruise is like five nights. So if you can find one of the five night cruises either out of Miami or Port Canaveral or wherever it is located that makes sense for you, that's like a lovely amount of time to really relax but experience all that the ship has to offer but other than that it sort of depends on what you're looking for if you're from the north and you want to cruise in february or march or april to get away from winter you're traveling and there's flights involved and everything else take that week-long cruise the one thing that we would definitely say is try to avoid a three-night cruise as your first cruise if possible it is just not long enough and we have never heard anybody come back and say 
God, I wish my cruise was shorter if they did a four night or a five night. And a three night, most people come back and just say, God, it just wasn't long enough. And somebody like us that's a little bit more seasoned and have done a lot of cruises and or something where you can just pop over to the port and take a weekend away, that's fine. But it's not the same experience. You don't even get to know your dining room staff as well because your cruise is just so short. So it is nicer to take that longer cruise. But in terms of wherever else you're going, it kind of depends. Like, I believe Steve and his wife's first cruise with their family on Disney was to Alaska. And his wife still feels like that was the best decision for them. And that's a great first cruise for everybody because it's such a bucket list trip and you're doing it on a great cruise line. So is it that you really want to go to Europe and you haven't done a Disney cruise yet and you want to experience the the safety of knowing that you have this cruise ship to return to and the ease of a ship, then yes, your first cruise might be to Europe. Most people are probably doing a four-night out of Port Canaveral as their first cruise. That's not a bad choice. It's just how oftentimes the chips lie for most people's first cruise, and I think that's the most popular. But really, you cannot go wrong. It just really depends on what is your goal? Is the destination your goal? Is getting away from something, you know, the cold your goal? Do you want to have a local cruise and you live in California where you're going to take what's available on the Wonder right now going forward? So it really just depends on sort of your goals. And I think that is definitely something to talk through with a travel agent. As you've discussed before, there's no additional charge to use a travel agent. And your travel agent should be able to talk you through your goals to see what makes sense for your family. I agree with everything Christy said. And so I'm going to take it with the ships too. I don't, I, I know the Disney wish. If you start going on all the promo stuff you're going to see right now is the Disney wish and look at this new magical ship and everything like that. And she is beautiful. We have a, uh, hopefully going to be on here in a couple of days and a Christy event on it. But I will honestly say that, you know, whatever cruise works best for you, you're mm-hmm. going to love that ship. There are things that Christy has been on all the ships and she appreciates about the wish, but that she loves about the magic and the wonder, which are the older ships that they actually do a better job on that ship. So don't let the ship hold you back, I guess is what I'm, what I'm saying. You're going to, you're going to enjoy whatever ship you get on. So really I would focus on that cruise first and, and what you want that to be versus the ship. Yeah. And then two quick points from me. The first is again, I think what you said, Steve, about just being able to relax on Disney cruise line, but still being in the Disney bubble and magic Uh, no pun intended, is one of my favorite parts about being on Disney Cruise Line. A three-night cruise does not necessarily feel like that because you want to experience as much as possible and feel like you're at a much more breakneck pace. I want to put that out there. agree with Christy that a three-night is tough for a first. If that's all you can do, sure, but it's tough for a first one. It's a little bit of a different experience. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I'll say is I stand by that Disney Cruise Line and the Disney Luxe experience are around the same price. But you have to throw Europe and Alaska out of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, at least if you want, at least if you want a balcony in Alaska, you're you're paying. Maybe we're talking club level prices at that point. Well, but it's a bucket list trip, so you're not going to Alaska every summer. You're not. I've done quite a few cruises this past year, and you couldn't go to Alaska that many times. So this isn't just your one off cruise. Alaska is a big. It's a pretty big deal. Good point. All right. So as you both know, we like to end with a Disney do or don't. And so to wrap up our Disney Cruise Line episode, what do you have for a Disney do or don't for us? Don't expect to do it all during your cruise. Even a week-long cruise. Shoot, I had a 14-day cruise and I couldn't do every single thing that I wanted to do during this cruise. There's just not going to be enough time You need to pick and choose what your favorites are so that you can get a tiny bit of enjoyment out of it. Also, don't expect to get a cabana at Castaway Key if this is your first time cruise. 
Or fifth. Or, or fifth. I think you need to be platinum to get it, yeah. You basically need to be maybe, concierge. Maybe concierge. And even that's not a guarantee. Especially on the Wish now. <laughs> for sure. Because <laughs> there's so many concierge. So I'm going to run with three do's for you, Joe. Do you plan on relaxing? Kind of, you know, the opposite to what Chrissy said about don't over overextending yourself. Plan on the relaxing. Some of the best moments on a cruise or on any vacation are the ones that were unplanned. And so, as, as you said, we're all kind of planners and everything like that. But plan on a little bit of relaxing. You never know what's going to unfold. Do cruise with friends. If you can do it, that has been some of the most enjoyable things that we found as our kind of cruising experience has gone on. If you can share moments on a cruise ship as you're traveling uh, the Caribbean or, or some other part of the world that has been some of the most special times that we've had and this is one that i think that i've got two more i guess for you do listen (laughs) to your weight i know do (laughs) listen to your weight staff advice they know what food is good each and every night you could always you know try out the food that you want but but definitely listen to your weight staff advice and finally i'll say do take part in the family and adult entertainment experiences on board the ship don't be afraid to embarrass yourself with your kids get out there on the stage and 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 have a little bit of fun with them because that and that really will add to your cruise experiences you get to know the crew you get to know the the cast members and you actually get to know the the people you're sailing with on the on the ship so those are some dues for you Great. Well, thank you so much, Steve and Christy, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving us the 411 on DCL 101. Before we get out of here, can you remind us one more time where we can listen to your podcast and also where we can connect with you on social media or wherever you'd like us to? Yeah, you can listen to us, uh, the DCL Podcast, wherever you find podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else. You can follow us on Facebook at DCL Podcast, Instagram, DCL underscore uh, podcast and on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a little bit. And then Christy, you've got uh, a couple channels as well. Yes, I am on all the social media at Pack Your Pixie Dust. All right. Well, thank you again so much. If you're uh, thinking of planning a cruise, you can contact either Christy or myself. We'd be happy to help you with that. Thank you everyone for listening. Other than that, thank you so much, Steve and Christy, for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you on a friend's cruise. Let's do a friend's cruise. Absolutely. Definitely, Joe.